Auckland is my home. A place. A feeling. Of belonging. Where I'm loved and respected. And feel safe. Where I can live without judgment. Or fear. But the strength of any community is how it treats its most vulnerable. Those vulnerable in their own selves, their own houses, their own city. For more than a century, the Auckland City Mission, with your support, has helped bring our most vulnerable back home. With dignity and aloha. Next year, the mission will have a new home. It's called Home Ground. Yeah. It's going to be a hub for all that the mission does and all those it helps. It's going to be awesome. There's more mahi to be done. But one day soon, we'll all have a place to call home. Thank you, Auckland. Yeah, this place got a lot of memories. Vernon has been visiting the city mission for nearly two decades. So I can remember when I was living with a friend out of Mount Roskill, um, my girlfriend and I came down from the farm up in Massey. We ran out of food one weekend. We'd run flat out of food. And this friend said, because I had a car at the time, I'll show you the guy. This is all we gained. Put him to the city mission and they gave us the food parcel. Vernon lives in state housing nearby. So what keeps him coming back to the mission? People. I love people. I mean, um, at first I came back for myself, but after I just realised that I come back here for the people. I absolutely love doing I love people, uh, even the funny looking ones. This is a really special day as we bury the stone in the ground. The ground has been gifted to us by Te Iwi o Ngāti Whātua. It contains deep karakia, it contains the essence of the, the land. It contains the wairua of the Auckland City Mission. It contains our aspirations. It contains a blessing for the wellness of all who will come into this building, both those who live here and those who work here. It brings together in so many ways the essence of the Auckland City Mission. So this morning, a small group of us, of staff, of Komatua, of board members, of friends and Fano have gathered here to bury this stone in this ground on our hundredth birthday today. So the Auckland City Mission Home Ground is a nine-story, 12,000 square meter development that runs between Hobson Street and Federal Street in central Auckland. The project is part of them helping the most vulnerable members of our community and the new facility will help them to integrate social services alongside housing. With that said, the development is loaded up with facilities. Alongside its 80 apartments, it has a medical centre, detox facilities, commercial kitchen, and public space for activities like art and drama. Critical to this model is what we call a concierge service, so that there will be a 24-hour social worker on site and a 24-hour security guard on site. And both of those hand-in-hand hand enable safety and structure. Those with complex needs have the option of living in the unit for life. City Missioner Chris Farrelly says the building has eco-features and looks to Te Ao Māori principles. We asked our architects, don't build us a commercial building, build us a home in the city that will reflect the spirit of what a home is. So it's a beautiful looking building um, with almost like a whare nui top. And the homeless community has been instrumental in developing the plans. Firstly, what they wanted was very simple. Please give us a place where we can have showers. Please give us a place where we can just put our gear during the day. As time went on, it was around 
Yes, we want more space to do our art, to do our carving. And then, of course, the big thing. Can you give us a home? Hello, how are you, Aaron? I'm very well. Congratulations on the new book. It's tough to cover a hundred years of history of an organization. The Auckland City Mission, though, is iconic. Take us back to the founder, because he sounds like quite a character. Jasper Calder, character doesn't do justice to the nature of the man. Son of the vicar of Ponsonby, a mad horseman who famously did races down Queen Street on his horse to prove what he could do, who was a most unlikely candidate to become an Anglican minister and uh, who indeed managed to get up the nose of every person uh, in the diocese, especially the bishop, which is rather serious. And um, so he uh, took his time to set up uh, in the early days before he set up the city mission. He ran services for jockeys in the Grayland Hall and infuriated uh, the a diocesan anti-gambling committee for his rather lax attitude to uh, to having a flutter. Uh, and then uh, during World War One at St. Matthew's Church, where he was standing in for the vicar who was a chaplain overseas, he managed to create a campaign that he would replace the vicar and got caught up a petition uh, and when he wasn't appointed, the choir marched out and refused to participate in protest. And then he went on to being uh, a temporary curate at Holy Sepulchre Church, also one of the great churches of Auckland, uh, and infuriated the um, the vestry when he did an impersonation of the bishop and the hierarchy of the church uh, refusing to reform the church. And so he was instantly dismissed and that effectively is why he set up the mission because he had nothing else to do a hundred years ago what were the issues that the mission was concerned about was homelessness a problem then i mean where were the challenges where were the needs there were massive problems of a very deeply entrenched working class with the most desperate needs. Uh, sickness was a major issue. Uh, th there was no social welfare system whatsoever. Hunger was a big, big problem. So many people were hungry. But the other thing was that a lot of the poor were in and out of the breaking the law. And in fact, Jasper probably first became interested in some of these issues when he started going along to the law courts and putting in a word for the guys who were just heading for jail because there was nowhere to place them. And he stood up for them as a friend at court. And that really was the early social work of the mission. Because actually, I mean, the mission in the first place was a church for the poor, a church running in a theatre to... Uh, connect the poor with religion who had no interest in typical Anglican services. Well, see, that's one of those things that's changed dramatically. These days, the work of the mission, respectfully, probably doesn't overtly share the Christian faith very often at all. Certainly nothing like it did in the beginning. Track for me that kind of journey where the mission, in a sense, remains its links to the church, but the way in which it expresses its work in a sort of overtly Christian way begins to morph over time. 
Yes. Well, we need to understand that Jasper was on the liberal end of Christianity. And so he would have taken the attitude, well, he did take the attitude, that if you can sort out people's social circumstances, uh, then in fact they will attend the church and they will gain something from it in their own way. And he didn't like formulas of salvation or formulas of the way in which they can be transformed. And so probably even in his day, when the services were really important aspect of the mission, um, it, it, they were very unlike the normal Christian service anyway. Uh, then subsequently, though, the numbers dropped off. The theatre, they couldn't afford to keep the theatre going. In fact, they'd run into big financial problems during the Depression. And so the services were reduced to a church that was given over to the mission to be the mission church. Uh, and of course, that was never going to be as successful. And so after a while, the work of keeping the social services going meant that they abandoned the association with a specific church. And then the mission then went through, I mean, it's had a striking series of contrasting phases. After the war, most of the concentration went on the elderly. Uh, then a great deal of concern was devoted to youth in the 1980s during all the, the crisis of, of youth causing disruption in the city. Uh, and then it moved on into a phase of trying to associate itself for a period with the Methodist City Mission and then fell out with them in big order. And I think increasingly they became dependent on government grants. And I think it's the government grants that curtailed much of their engagement with the Christian aspect of the mission. And in my book, I take up those issues and I point out that there is a very great risk when you push one thing at the expense of something else and that there should be plenty of room in appropriate ways to bring the two together. Well, it's that issue I really want to drill down into a little bit today, because, as you mentioned at the beginning, there was no government social welfare system when the mission began. And now, of course, we have a, a highly sophisticated form of social welfare run by the government and in some ways executed through uh, these not-for-profit charities like the mission. But he who pays the piper, you know, the, the, the money talks, the money sets the agenda. How has the mission, in a sense, changed, maybe not always in the in, in a good way because the the lure and security of government funding has meant that in a sense now somebody else is setting the agenda well to be fair the government money does not account for uh, the the majority of mission support uh, it's important to notice that a lot of missions have recognized that if you go above a certain percentage uh, and usually that's reckoned as to be either a quarter or a third of the funding, then you're at risk of being overly dependent on the government. But you see, you've got to bear in mind that the other sources of funding for the mission, increasingly the mission has appealed, to, understandably, to the general population of Auckland and to the large trusts and to the large companies that have often chosen as a kind of conscience self to pour money in, in, into the mission. And so the consequences of that are, in a 
proportion of Auckland, you know, so much of Auckland is irreligious today or disconnected from churches. And the mission has positioned itself for various reasons as the preeminent social service agency in the city of Auckland. And that's what creates the risk because it has to be careful to keep attracting these donors. It desperately needs, I mean, during the present time, for example, they've massively increased the donations of food and like all the city missions, they've been forced to buy food if the funds are not sufficient. And the moment it does that, it is very, very dependent upon the um, money pouring in from the um, secular public. And then, of course, the other side to it is that the mission is a marvellous agency to attract public support because it's, you know, it's an it's a agency that does such good. And so if you look at the way in which they've employed the advertising agency, um, uh, the cover of my book, Erin, uh, is a marvellous cover of the door opening up on the Grays Avenue um, when it was live, based for a period in an old uh, convent, Anglican convent that it was a bit derelict. And it was a scene, a, an agency of hope, as I've said. Now, that agency of hope aspect is still very deeply part of the mission but you can see that caution about risking funding has led to a level of caution there have also been a series of uh, tensions between the mission and the Anglican diocese uh, which has often wanted to have more control than effect the donations from Anglicans have really justified and so it's it's the setting for a tension which you know afflicts a very large number of social agencies most of them have christian backgrounds um, but many of them struggle to express that and indeed of course there is a risk and I, i'd love you to explore this because the risk of the that general booth recognized a long time ago with the foundation of the salvation army was that there might be an implication that you had to conform to the demands of the church in order to receive the funding. And they they couldn't afford, and they shouldn't have had that appeal. And that's, I think, led to um, a tension between their, the original city mission values and their present ones. I want to talk about effectiveness because in one sense we could say that the problems seem bigger than ever. Not that it was ever the mission's job to solve all of those problems, but it makes it difficult to really comprehend how effective the mission has been at transforming those issues. Now, of course, it seems to be issues of drug addiction, substance abuse, homelessness are right at the forefront. Has the mission been effective? It's certainly busy. Uh it's massively busy, that's for sure. Uh, it's engaged and it's been forced to focus somewhat on what it concentrates on. In the early days, really, it was down to a very small number of people who acted on the central city and did their work in that space. And indeed, in the 1980s, when they bought the pub, uh, 
the 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 old uh, Prince of Wales pub that, that they purchased in Hobson Street, again, there was a certain tendency to focus almost entirely upon the central city. But increasingly, of course, it's very clear that the social needs of our city today are very, very widely spread. And I mean, this is true of all the city missions, I think, that the old idea was that the problems were in the city, the central city, the CBD. Um, today, um, while there are some problems there, they've had to recognise that what should they do to touch the needs in South Auckland and in West Auckland, which are particular areas of need in the present Auckland? And so the solution then firstly was to try to open branches out in the suburbs. But in fact, there are other agencies in the suburbs and the mission's gone through a series of phases of doing it alone or doing it in cooperation with others. Happily today, they're in a period when they say, we ought to work closely with other agencies, with Marae in South Auckland, with some other agencies, and particularly, in particular with the Methodist agency, LifeWise, as it's now branded. Um, and together, they've had a series of different programs. One is a food program, second one is a housing program um, to provide uh, and the third one is for those affected by substance or alcohol abuse and so those are really the three primary aspects of the mission today much more focused and uh, well really they're just very very big needs um, that need to be addressed um, and that I think has led to a well, when you become very specific, you want to be specialist in that area. And in a sense, you're in competition with other agencies that do this work. And working out how to cooperate has been one of the, the hardest challenges. I want to take a, a panoramic view. You have a perspective that few others do. You have a, a, a sense now of the entire story. And so I'm always interested in kind of the, the two hands of that. On the one hand, there's the, the things from the past that perhaps it would be nice to reinvigorate, to reintroduce, or, or to at least make sure never get lost. And then, of course, on the other side, there's that space for, for innovation where the things that we've always done become a barrier to development, a barrier to innovation. So when we think of those things, Things, the things to, to hold on to or to reinvigorate and the things to let go of, what comes to mind for you? Well, in the early days of the mission, what was interesting was that the needs of the poor were the needs of specific poor people. You know, Jasper and uh, his uh, female uh, counterpart knew the names of most of the poor people uh, in Auckland, uh, except the Catholic ones, I might say. There were some very big divides which were not crossed in, those, in that period. Um, and later on, there was certainly a sense that the agency became sort of focused upon meeting needs by buying in specific solutions, housing for, for the temporarily, um, for the, those who were homeless and the like. Uh, and I think what's quite striking about the present model of social work that they are trying to achieve in the midst of great pressure uh, is that they will really treat each person as an individual. Now, this has been probably completely overwhelmed and knocked 
off kilter uh, because of the present COVID situation where, I mean, I was talking to somebody last night who was talking of the enormous number of needs of people who we wouldn't normally class as poor. But just during the COVID period, they've lost their income. They can't afford to feed their children and the like. And so uh, parcels are going out in all directions. But at its best, I have always thought that the mission shone when, for example, with a poor person that I know, um, I could chat to somebody at the mission about their needs and know that there was somebody who was worrying and thinking, how can it work? And I mean, this, the best example of this, I think, is the uh, Housing First program, which is done between LifeWise. It's originally a LifeWise program, but the city mission is deeply involved, in which they try to ease people gently out of that living in the street to the stage when you can't put them in their own accommodation initially. They don't know how to treat accommodation. So it goes through a fa- a series of phases, and one phase will be at Liston House where they're very closely supervised and kicked out as soon as um, they've had their breakfast, and then the doors open at, at dinner time. Um, then the next phase is to get them to try and work can they cooperate in a small with a small group of people and then the final phase will be to give them their own space and to make them feel proud and that's part of the secret of this astonishing venture that the mission's involved in in the rebuilt um, city mission building i mean this is a staggering idea to build a tower above the mission which will have houses for 80 homeless people uh, and where they'll effectively run their own care for themselves and the mission will simply be there to provide supporters at once. I think this idea of saying everybody is in the image of God, in effect, everybody, if if they can deal with their problems, will be able and should be able to take responsibility for themselves is a fine vision shaped by Christian values what I think the mission needs is more people helping them to interpret what's going on from a Christian perspective.